Good morning, I'm Christina. My husband Steve and I have had the privilege of being a part of Awakening since we launched as a church, and we have three kiddos, eight, six, and three, that keep us busy. And this was their first week of summer. Do I look a little haggard? Yeah, they were all up in my space all day long. All day long. And it was wonderful, kind of. No, it was really fun. (laughs) Um, I'm excited. This morning we're starting a new series together called Sticks and Stones. It's going to be going on for the next three weeks. Um, Using the old line, sticks and stones may break my bones, but yeah, you guys know it. Diving into the topic of words and talking about words. Um, Today we're talking about the idea of where words begin. Next week is Father's Day. Fair warning, if you didn't know, get a card in the mail for dad. Um, It's going to be an awesome Father's Day. We're doing some really cool things for our dads here at Awakening. But next week, we're going to be talking about how words matter. And then the following week, we're going to be talking about less is more when it comes to words. And for some reason, they didn't ask me to speak that week. So I don't don't know, Ryan, what that was all about. (laughs) Kind of rude, whatever. Um, Anyways, but today, we're talking about where words come from. So as I started to think about this this week, I feel like we are surrounded by words all the time. There is so many words coming at us, whether it's spoken word or written word or tweeted word or posted word. It's kind of everywhere, right? Um, And I feel like we're bombarded with opinions and ideas and comments and people's replies to other people's comments. Can you guys get lost online, like reading comments and replies? It's it's an ugly, nasty thing. But sometimes I I think that maybe there's so many significance and we don't hear words for what they are anymore. We stop listening like we should, they don't have the same value because there's just so many of them. Um, But in our relationships, I think there's a lot of significance to our words. They're not just the chatter and the replies and the comments. Um, They're not just ideas kind of spewing from our brains, but they have power and they have value. And I remember, um, I think probably one of the first times as a mother that I figured out that my words really held a lot of power for my kid. My oldest, James, was maybe between a year and 18 months like old enough to do a little baby sign language to communicate, but not old enough to use his words. And we were driving together in the car one day and um, he was in his little car seat and I was driving and I was just telling him how much I loved him, telling him what a good boy he was, how glad his dad and I were that he was ours. He was so special. And I remember glancing in the rear view mirror and he was doing this baby sign for more. Right. And that's so sweet. And it just like dawned on me that even at that little age, his need for those words was so huge and so deep. Um, and, and maybe it was just my tone of voice. He understood more than my actual words at that age. But he needed those words. And, you know, I needed to give him those words. That was important for me, too, to give those to him. And, you guys, I wish I could say that that was, like, the story of his childhood. That's how our family is all the time. It's just, <laughs> it's like, how our life is. It's so, so sweet. <laughs> um, but my husband's sitting in the back. So, you know, um, the truth of it is that's not how it always is. And it breaks my heart to think of the reality that he's going to grow up with memories of a lot of harsh and impatient words from a frustrated mom, because our words have a lot of power. Um, This morning, I want to start by showing you guys a picture on the screen. And it's, I find it to be a really hard picture. Um, It's a little painful, but I think it really exemplifies the power of words really well. Um, So I'm just going to say this, if you've had a history of... um, physical or verbal abuse as a kid or in your life, you might just want to close your eyes or look away for just a second um, because it's pretty powerful. James 3.5 says this, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. 
The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. Friends, our words are really powerful. And it doesn't matter if we're one sitting in the car listening to our mom talk to us, or if we're 101. That picture could have just as easily been a picture of an adult speaking to another adult. Our words have huge power. They have the ability to raise us up, to speak life and hope and healing to us, to encourage us and keep us going and speak life over us, or they have the ability to absolutely crush us, take away our hope, cut deep and inflict pain, and sometimes they replay themselves in our ears or in our hearts for hours, days, even decades. So as we launch today into this new series, we're going to start by talking about the source of our words. Where do they begin? Where do they come from? So like I said before, my kids are off of school at home. So I did kind of a very non-scientific study with my boys this week. It asked them, where do our words come from, you guys? I was trying to get some information for today. And my six-year-old said, Mom, Dad, they come from our mouth. Like, good. And my eight-year-old, who thinks he's oh so savvy, said, Mom, they come from that thing in our throat that, like, makes a vibration. I was like, ooh, good one. Look at you, smarty. And then I said, but where, like, how do we decide what words come out? They said, well, it comes from our brains. So, of course, they're right, right? Vocal cords and mouths and and brains. But there's so much more to that. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage in Luke. We're going to go to Luke chapter 6. If you have your Bible and you want to turn there, you absolutely can. Luke 6, verse 43 through 45. And here, Jesus is talking to a big group of people. He's healing people. He's doing the awesome work that he did. And there's this great little nugget in here about our words and then a connection to our hearts that I want to read. So if you have your Bible, open it up. If not, you can check it out on the screen. We're starting in verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Will you guys pray with me? Hey, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it is that you have to say to us today. Lord God, we just invite your Holy Spirit into this place. God, we ask that you soften our hearts to what it is you need to say to us. Open our ears. God, and we give you the praise and the glory, for you are good. Amen. Um, I want to read this verse to you guys, but in a different paraphrase. This is from The Voice. Has anyone ever read from The Voice? I don't know it real well, but I really loved how it summed this up. You can listen. It says, count on this. No good tree bears bad fruit. No bad tree bears good fruit. You can know a tree by the fruit it bears because you don't find figs on a thorn bush and you can't pick grapes from a briar bush. It's the same with people. A person full of goodness in their heart produces good things. And a person with an evil reservoir in his heart produces out of the evil things. The heart overflows in the words that a person speaks, and your words reveal what's inside your heart. So our words don't begin with our vocal cords or our mouths or our brains. They go all the way deeper, all the way to our hearts. 
Um, I love listening to little kids talk because I feel like their mouth-heart connection is like direct. They haven't learned that censorship yet. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. And so sometimes when they open their mouth, you just get like a full view of everything that's going on in their little minds. Um, one of my little ones just has like this really soft heart. And when he was littler, every ambulance that went by or every time he heard a siren, he'd say, Mom, we have to pray for them right now. And so we would stop and pray. And I thought it was so sweet because really that was his heart showing. Do you know what I'm saying? That, that was what was in his heart this love and this worry for people. I think as we get older, um, we lose some of that innocence of our childhood. Um, And we also learn how to protect our hearts. We learn how to watch the words that come out a little bit. And maybe we cater our language and our word choice to the specific groups of people that we're with, um, wanting to impress or blend in or kind of fits what's socially acceptable in each setting. But I think our our words still flow from our heart, Um, although we, we think we're pretty good at covering them up sometimes. Maybe we can cover it for strangers or acquaintances, but I I think all of us have had that experience when you talk to someone and after a five or 10 minute conversation, you walk away going, whoa, there's some bitterness there. Or, ooh, there's some pain. Or or the opposite, you go, man, that person's got joy. It just like bubbles out of them. It's coming straight from their hearts. And that's because our words reveal what's within our heart. So we can strive to fix our mouths. We can watch what we say, watch your language right? We can censor ourselves and and try to talk really kind words through gritted teeth, you know, Um, but it it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not persuasive. No one's really going to buy it. And we can try really hard, but as soon as we let our guard down or as soon as someone catches us off guard, ooh, watch out Um, because the truth that's in our heart is going to spill out and maybe it's going to cause a forest fire to take off all around us and kind of break down some of the relationships in our lives or leave lasting, lasting pain. Of course, guys, this is not what God desires for us, right? This is not the sign of a life transformed by God. This is not the sign and evidence of a life surrendered to him and redeemed by him. I love how um, David said this in Psalm 19, 14. This is his prayer, and I absolutely love this. He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And today, I want this to kind of be our mantra. I want this to be like our prayer as a group as we talk through our heart. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Um, I want us to explore a couple ways that we can just check on our hearts, that we can do a little heart check to see what's going on. Um, This week, my little girl was up in the middle of the night one night, and then I couldn't get back to sleep because I was so stressed out about talking to you guys today. And you know, in the middle of the night, your brain's a little crazy, at least mine is, and I couldn't get it to be still. And this verse kept going in my mind. I'm like, well, Lord, what am I going to say? What do you want me to say? Um, and how, I mean, how, does, how do we do this? How do we fix our hearts? And I felt like, I didn't hear a voice, but I just, this line came into my mind. I don't know if the Lord's ever kind of impressed something on your hearts before. Do you guys know what that feels like? But the line that popped in my mind at 4 a.m., it was so dark, was, well, who owns it? Who owns your heart? And I kind of thought with that a bit. Who owns my heart? So I want to ask you guys that same question today. Who is the owner of your heart? If what comes out of your heart and your words is so connected, who is the owner of your heart? In Second Chronicles 16, the prophet was speaking to the king, kind of correcting him because the king had been trusting men when it was time to go into battle instead of trusting the Lord. And I love these words. He says this, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God wants to support those whose heart is completely his. So who or what owns our hearts? Is it completely God's? Is it partially God's? 
Have we allowed others to take ownership of our hearts? Because whatever it is and whoever that owner is, it's going to flow out in our words. It's going to be very evident. Maybe we've allowed money to be the owner of our heart. Maybe we're striving for wealth and the comfort and security that we think we're going to find in that. And that is the goal of our hearts. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe we just live for personal satisfaction and joy, never wanting to be uncomfortable, not ever wanting to lay down our lives or sacrifice for others. Maybe it's success. Maybe we are so driven for accomplishment and success and prestige that our hearts have become so blind and deaf to anything other than our own goal for self-promotion, and that owns our hearts. Or maybe it's addiction. Maybe the owner of our heart is addiction, and our hearts and our lives are consumed with a constant, unquenchable hunger for whatever that drug of choice is. And all of our values and our choices are entirely controlled by that owner. Maybe it's substance abuse, drugs, or alcohol, gambling, exercise, food obsession, or pornography, gambling, cleaning, hoarding, perfectionism. I mean, it looks different in different people, right? And addiction in some people's lives is really evident, and in others it's deep in the heart. But that owns us. Or maybe your heart's just up for sale. Maybe it's up for sale, and it changes the hands of ownership often, the fad of the moment. I think this can be a little bit more subtle for us because it's easier for us to say, of course, it's not money, it's the Lord. But, but when it's a fad, it's something that comes and goes, it can be just like a relationship, like that relationship of the moment that we're all consumed with. Or maybe it's a promotion at work or a project that we're working on. Or maybe it's a personal goal. It can even be a hobby. But we become so enthralled and so infatuated and so committed to it that it owns us and it owns our thoughts and it owns our time. It fuels everything that we do. And you better believe that when our mouth opens, what's going to spill out? Everything about that, because that is what owns us. Who owns our hearts? For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Let's go back to our mantra for the day. You guys remember it? You can say it with me if you want to. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. As a little girl, we used to sing this song called The Garbage Song. And the words were garbage in, garbage out. Sooner or later, it's going to come out your mouth. And then this was the fun part. Your uh-oh. And then you covered your mouth. Mouth. And as a little kid, I understood this, right? That the garbage in would be like bad words, R-rated movies, lying. If you put any of that in, it's going to come out of your hearts. And yeah, that's the garbage in, garbage out. But I think for us adults now, it gets a little bit mm, trickier for us to assess the garbage in, garbage out situation. But here's the thing. I think we need to have our gates of our hearts placed in a way where we know what we're letting in. We need to filter it. So that's another question I want us to sit with a little bit today is, are you protecting the gates of your heart? Are you guarding your heart? Because the garbage is kind of all over the place. And I think it can be disguised and not quite as obvious for us as adults. But garbage really is anything that doesn't honor our God. I think it can even be something as small as just a small idea, like a small little seed that just gets planted in our hearts. It takes root. But then it grows and it grows and it grows. And before we know it, we've got a worldview or a mindset or something that's not in line with what God would desire in our hearts. 
because we haven't guarded carefully. I think also it's easier, easy with, with our choices of what we put in with like the constant barrage of movies and music and shows and podcasts and Netflix and YouTube that we just, we consume so much, right? Or maybe that's just me. There's just so much coming in all the time. But all of that is going to shape our hearts. I think I've also found for myself that I'm allowing things in my heart through social media that maybe I otherwise wouldn't just welcome in. Maybe it's through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat. But we're so inundated with people. Do you guys ever feel like this? So inundated with people and thoughts and videos and photos and ideas and opinions. And we just kind of mindlessly scroll through and look. But while we're doing that, our hearts are being taught what to value, what to laugh at, what to strive for. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. Another translation says it's the wellspring of life. Everything flows out of our heart, our words and everything we do. Friends, we need to set up gates to our heart. We need to set them out and we need to block out what is not godly and we need to filter in things to protect our hearts because if we want the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts to be pleasing to God, we have to be responsible for what we're meditating on. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing that we think about when we fall asleep at night, the thing that we're thinking about in the middle of the night when we wake up, the first thing that pops in our head the next morning. That's what we're meditating on. So what do we fill our hearts with? What is pleasing to God? What helps the wellspring to be beautiful that's flowing out of us? The word of God. Putting it in, reading it, consuming it, spending time in God's word, hearing his truth louder than the other voices, spending time with God in silence. As I was driving here this morning, I was like so anxious, so flustered, searching through the radio for something to calm me down. You guys ever do this? And I just thought, I just got to be in silence. Like I just turned that puppy off. I just got to be in the presence of the Lord. It's, I think it's hard for us to hear the Holy Spirit when there's like so many noises. Do you know what I'm saying? And I thought this week, maybe that's why I felt like the Lord impressed something to me in the middle of the night all my kids were asleep. The house was quiet. <laughs> but friends, we have to create that time. If we want to be filling our hearts with the thing of the Lord, and we want to hear the Spirit, we have to create that space for it. Philippians 4.8 says this. I love this verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Open wide your gates to these things. Open them wide. I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves as we're consuming something, television, an article or reading, whatever, is this, is this true? Is this noble? This radio I'm listening to, this podcast I'm putting in my head, this YouTube video, is, is this honoring? Is this trustworthy? Is it lovely? And if not, we've got to close up the gates. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, my God, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. The last thing I want to talk about before we wrap is a little personal. I mean, all of this has been personal, but to me, this is maybe the most personal. And I think for some of us, when we think about our hearts, it's kind of our own business. You know, it's not something we like walk around broadcasting, like this is the condition in my heart. We don't think we do, at least. And we kind of think it's between us and God. Um, but as we're learning today, our words are spilling over and our heart is splashing on those around us. So 
So I think as people that have committed our lives to Jesus, if that's where you are today, I want to ask you to consider the condition of your heart today. Thinking of the words that you spilled out this week, thinking of what's come out of you and the feeling in your heart. The condition of our heart is directly correlated with our words. If our heart's full of malice and greed, our words won't be full of grace and compassion. Right? We don't pick grapes from a thorn bush. It just doesn't happen. And likewise, if our heart is full of the word of God, if it's full of his love, his mercy, you know what's not going to be in our words? Hate, blasphemy, that won't gush out of us. It just won't. So here's what I want to encourage us to do. I'm going to read through a couple conditions of the heart that I have experienced, that I'm guilty of. That's where they came from. You may resonate with some. Um, You may have some of your own that are completely different. But here's what I want our prayer to be. This is David's prayer in Psalm 139. I think it's going to come up here. But this is what he says to God. And if you're at a place to say this, I want to welcome you to say it. Search me, God, and know my heart. This is giving God permission. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. I love that this verse is asking God to do all the work. It's asking him to do it. God, will you search me? Will you know me? Will you test me? And then it doesn't say, and then smite me, right? And then let me try really, really hard so I can do all the work. No. And then Lord, lead me in the way everlasting, in the way everlasting. So please embrace that prayer if you want to, as I talk through the conditions of the heart. The first heart is the hard heart. Whether it's from pain or discouragement or sin, this heart has grown an outer shell that's really tough to keep others out, to keep itself in. And the words that flow out of this heart are harsh and quick and critical. And sometimes it's just silence. The hard heart is known for speaking, not known for speaking words of love or compassion. There's not words of encouragement and joy coming out of this heart. That's the hard heart. Next is the bitter heart. And the bitter heart is not easily disguised because bitter people love to spread it around. Hebrews 12, 15 warns us, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many, because that's what bitterness does. It spreads like weeds. Even just the smallest little one can come into your heart and take over. And the words that spew out of this mouth are full of bitterness like poison. Next is the broken heart. Words that come out of this heart are intended to break others because this heart is so broken. And the cycle of destructive and devastating words passes from person to person to person, maybe generation to generation. The broken heart can also speak words of powerlessness, just words of despair and discouragement. And friends, if this morning, as I'm reading these words, you know that's you, I have something I want to tell you. And this is straight from Psalms 34, 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you have a broken heart, the Lord is close to you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he wants to save you and heal your spirit. Just know that if your heart's broken today. The next heart is the critical heart. 
And this is the heart that has these words of like negativity and criticism and cynicism that just flow out of it. Letting others know of the dissatisfaction with everything. You aren't enough. You aren't doing it right. Your ways and your opinions are faulty. Maybe the critical heart is just desperately insecure and trying to prove its own worth to itself. I don't know. Or maybe this heart hasn't fully experienced God's grace. And so instead they just spew criticism. Next is the impatient, angry heart. Rushed, fiery, unpredictably explosive. Angry or unfair at the hand that they've been dealt with in life. And just like a selfish need for everything to go their own way and for it to happen right now. As a mom, I feel like this is the heart my kids see way too often. Right now. The words from this heart are violent and offensive. And sometimes they're just mean. Just mean. Next is the prideful heart either based in an inflated self-view or maybe deep insecurity, maybe a combination of both, this heart believes that it's better than others. And this heart needs others to see and know all that they do and all that they believe and all they can accomplish. They love to talk about themselves smugly and point out other people's weaknesses and faults. And then there's the anxious heart. And this heart spills out words of fear. Fear of the future, fear of the now, what's going to happen. They're paralyzed by uncertainty and unknowns. Friends, and then there's the redeemed heart. Then there's the redeemed heart. This is the heart that although at times it takes on these other forms, (laughs) it has its days when it does, this is the heart that's been redeemed and freed by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the mouth that speaks praise and worship of its Redeemer. That's what flows out of its heart. It's soft to others' needs. It's full of compassion. It's rich in love. The words of this heart speak to build others up, to edify and bring hope and encouragement. Truth is on the lips of this heart, this coated in love. Um, I think some of us have given up ownership of our hearts. I think some of us have forgotten to close our gates of our hearts. And I think some of us have been redeemed, but we're not living from a redeemed heart. That's not the heart that we're embracing. And it's very evident to us by the words that come out of our mouths. Um, So I want us to take some time today while we go into a time of worship to just be with the Lord to do some business with them. Maybe your prayer needs to be, search me, God, and know my heart. And lead me in the path of righteousness. Um, And then I think for some of you, as I'm talking, you just feel discouraged. And I want to speak to that discouragement before I get off the stage. Because I think for some of us, we're very aware of the condition of our heart, and we're not happy about it. Um, But it feels like a whole lot of pressure to do something about it. Like, we have to fix ourselves. And I think that that's not at all the message I want you to come out with today. Because God's a whole lot bigger than that. And I love so much what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. I'm sorry, Brian, I don't have a slide to this because this just came out this morning. But I just, I just want to read this over us so that there's just not a feeling of condemnation in the air. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Maybe you're just weary of having a bitter heart. It's exhausting to be angry. It really is. Maybe you're weary of having a heart that's hard. Maybe you're tired of carrying around this broken heart because of what you've endured in your life, because of what you've been a victim of, and you're just carrying it around, and it's so heavy. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Friends, today we can trade in that heart. We can trade it in for a redeemed heart. Our God is the God of healing. Jesus died on the cross to forgive the sin, to forgive the bitterness and the brokenness and the anger and the anxiety, all of that, to give us a new heart. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Yoke, visualize like a harness over livestock. That's the yoke. Jesus says, my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. The very heart of Jesus is what? Gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.